May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God our Father and from his Son, his only Son, our Savior Jesus the Christ. Early yesterday afternoon, our Courageous Conversations Conference up in at Concordia University, Mequon, Wisconsin, ended. I said my goodbyes to old friends and new ones, and I had some time to walk around the campus on the shores of Lake Michigan. And as I strolled, waiting for my ride to the airport from Rebecca Lindau Bell, I had a little time with her, I rolled around thoughts about today's sermon. I had been studying the texts and even on the plane ride and at the hotel, making notes, writing down ideas, even on a Southwest cocktail napkin. But I had extra time on a bright, chilly, windy day to ponder what kind of day is it? There are busy days and full days. There are long days and slow days. There are bad days and sad days. There are fun days and every once in a while, a perfect day. After insightful teaching and excellent preaching and exuberant hymn singing and encouraging community and when God's creation of the second best of the Great Lakes shimmers blue on the horizon. May the Holy Spirit give us expectant hearts and attentive ears to ponder God's word this day. And may we reflect on the day of the Lord and that we belong to the day to find good news in the answer to the question, what kind of day? People God dearly loves. Many of you know that in our system, our cycle of appointed scriptures, the Old Testament readings are chosen to complement the gospel readings. Sometimes they partner really well. Sometimes it's more difficult to see how they do. But then there can be a delightful surprise when the epistle and the Old Testament scripture for a certain Sunday, and I mean for this second last Sunday of the church year, really do fit together. So consider with me the word of the Lord that came to the prophet Zephaniah over 600 years before the birth of Christ when Josiah was king of Judah. What kind of day does the Lord tell his servant to announce? The day of the Lord is near. It will happen. It must happen. It is not distant. As verse 14 states, the great day of the Lord is near and hastening fast. This is a day of judgment, judgment on God's rebellious people. There will be a sacrifice a stunning sacrifice, for Yahweh will slay his own people. What kind of day? There's more, and it's more bad news. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. There will be the wail of a mighty man throughout all the different corners of the city of Jerusalem, and there will be a noise, a loud crash, a trumpet blast, a battle cry, That will reveal that this day is a day of distress and anguish, a day of devastation and ruin, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of thick darkness and dreary clouds. God promises justice, judgment, punishment, and it will happen. 
But now we're going to listen to the Apostle Paul as he writes to the church in Thessalonica and to the church in San Antonio. But I will come back to Zephaniah. I promise you that. The Christians in the middle of the first century had concerns and questions. They were not eyewitnesses. They were earwitnesses. They had been told the words and deeds of Jesus by the original disciples, the apostles' teaching, as Luke calls it in Acts chapter 2. They had learned what Jesus said he must do, to go and prepare a place, and that he would come back and take all of his disciples there. Jesus had gone away. He had gone to the cross, and he had gone to the grave to prepare the way, to be what he said of himself, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes. I am the only way to the Father. Then Jesus went away physically. He ascended to sit in glory at the Father's right hand. Now the Thessalonians knew this. They knew all of this. And so do we. But Paul writes to them and to us. Because we're concerned. How long will it be until Christ returns? And as we heard in last Sunday's epistle, what happens to those Christians who die and are buried before that promised return? It had been, for the Thessalonians, some 25 years of waiting. But now it's been almost 2,000 years for the waiting church. The day of the Lord's return will happen, but it will happen like a thief in the night. It will be a surprise. It will be a sudden, unexpected surprise. Some people will be saying, some people are saying now, we have peace and security. There's nothing to worry about. Don't even bother thinking about it. Wrong. Just as labor doesn't announce itself and tell the expectant mother the day it will happen, the return of our Lord Jesus will be like the pains of a pregnant woman. No Braxton Hicks contractions, but sudden, sharp, this is it. This is the real thing. But Paul writes in verses 4 and 5 of 1 Corinthians 5, you are not in darkness. That day will not surprise you, for you know it's going to happen. You are waiting and longing for it to happen, for you are children of light. You are children of the day. On top of that, you belong to the day. And then the apostle writes these powerful and comforting words in verses 9 and 10. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, alive or dead, we might live with him. What kind of day? What kind of day is God's word telling us about? What kind of day is God preparing for us and preparing us for? It is the dark 
and devastating and deadly day prophesied by Zephaniah. For we are also those who have rebelled against and run away from the God who longs to return us to his chosen possession. And it is the daylight that Paul proclaims to the Thessalonians. Both are true because both of these turn us to our Lord Jesus. There was a day of surprise in the village of Nazareth when Mary was surprised and told by an angel that she would conceive and carry the promised Messiah. Nine months later, and Luke doesn't really tell us if it happens at day or at night, there were sudden but necessary labor pains as the eternal Son of God appeared as a newborn infant. The good news of great joy, which we will celebrate six weeks from today and six weeks from tomorrow. The promises of God from Genesis 3 to Isaiah 7 and 53, from Micah 5 to Luke 1 and Matthew 1, are fulfilled on that day of the Lord in Bethlehem. Yet that fulfillment pointed to more. What kind of day? No, what kind of days? There was the dark day of Jesus' death, when thick darkness covered the land, even as the darkness of sin was carried on Jesus' shoulders. There was the silent day of Jesus' rest in the grave. And though his followers did not know it at the time, our Lord was sanctifying their graves and ours. There was the bright and new day of Jesus' resurrection, the new day of the Lord, the eighth day, the day which begins the new creation. And there will be, there must be, the glorious day of the Lord, the day of Jesus' return, like a master who went away for a long time. Then there will also be, there must be, the never-ending day of Jesus' joyous wedding feast, when the bridegroom is united with his loved and made lovely bride. I told you that I would return to Zephaniah because now I want you to hear two of the final verses of this short and powerful letter. Here is good news from chapter 3. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save, and he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. That promise is confirmed by the words of the Master in Matthew 25. For on the great day of the Lord, good and faithful servants, you, good and faithful servants, will hear these gracious words. Well done. You waited. You served. You shared my gifts you witnessed. Now enter into the joy of your master. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs>